0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, good morning, and welcome to the Women and Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel. I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, a company that specializes in the sale of manufacturing businesses in the lower middle market nationally, and I'm your host for today's show. So today we have with us, we're very happy to have with us, Maggie Alterzewski. Maggie is a sales and marketing engineer with Balio, which is a robotics company with offices on three continents. Balio has a unique intelligence technology that turns standard electric trucks into standalone. Uh, intelligent robots. Um, Maggie spent several years on the installation side of the business and now she's using her time in the field to help to develop new uh, projects on the pre-sale side of the business. So Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Fran. Hey, so introduce us to the company um, and tell us a little bit about what you do there.
1: Yeah, so like you said, FAIO is um, kind of its bread and butter is that we're a software company. um. So our headquarters is based in France, but we have uh, offices in the US and Boston and also some in uh, Singapore and China. Um, but at FAIO we develop technology that takes manual forklift trucks and we outfit them with our sensor and automation kit to make them able to run um, autom- autonomously in industrial and manufacturing spaces. Um, So we partner with two major manufacturers of forklifts, um, Heister Yale Group here in the US and then Lindy in EMEA and APAC. Um, And we use their base trucks to outfit with our kids um, to make our autonomous vehicles.
0: So you guys are partnering with two very well-respected brands in the industry. Yeah, I find yeah. it interesting that um, y- you all don't manufacture the trucks, but chose to just develop the technology to turn them into autonomous vehicles. Um, and, and so it's it's truly a technology-based company.
1: Yeah. And that's actually part of what drew me to value in the uh, first place. I thought it's a really smart move to not try to take on everything all at once. So we focus on what our specialty is, and that's the automation software. And we leave the um, forklift manufacturing to people whose specialty that is. And I think it's worked out really well for us. Mm -hmm. How did you get into this? Uh, So I started with value a few years back. um, And it actually came from an interest I had in robotics coming out of college. So I um, studied mechanical engineering, but towards the end of my schooling kind of was learning the electromechanical side of things. So kind of trying to bridge the gap between those two fields and had a particular interest in robotics. Um, so when the opportunity came up to work for Ballio, I was really excited about it. Um, and I started at Ballio, like you said, as a field engineer. So I would go out into the field and perform installations of our robotic trucks um, and that would be in all sites throughout the US for where I'm located. And it started at a smaller scale for me and then kind of built into more involved projects with the more experience I got. Um, and then within the last year, I wanted to kind of branch out a little bit further. So I worked at the company and they were really understanding of me wanting to make a shift in my career. Um, and that's how I landed in this uh, kind of sales and marketing role. So I work directly with our director of sales um, as kind of an applications engineer. So Mm -hmm. when we talk to customers, um, he's focused more on the sales side of the things and the numbers, um, and I get to focus on, similar to what I did in the field, but in the early stages, the actual application, um, figuring out if things are going to be feasible or not with our trucks, um, trying to offer suggestions based on my experience of what will work in their space at the facility or what sort of vehicles we recommend for their application um, and kind of going through that whole vetting process of whether or not our solution is the best for them.
0: Mm. So how did your, your time in the field, um, how did, how does that help you in your
1: function with the company today? Yeah, I think it's been a huge benefit for me in the role that I'm in because there are so many ins and outs that are hard to, um, maybe hard to understand or just something you wouldn't think of at first if you were just coming into this role like fresh and without any experience in automation. Um, For instance, there's a lot of safety standards that are associated with AGVs um, that we do like to be upfront with our customers about because sometimes it can mean um, a risk of losing some storage space. So for example, a lot of companies do bulk storage, but with AGVs, we need to have a little bit of extra spacing for the safety sensors and the safety of the people in the facility. So those types of things I got really familiar with when I was out in the field, and I can apply that to when I'm talking with customers now to give them a good upfront understanding of what they can expect.
0: Mm. So we have, um, I am in Western New Jersey, um, Mm -hmm. close to the PA border, and we have these warehouses, I mean, giant warehouses half a million, at least a half a million square feet, and they're popping up everywhere. Do these companies um, contact your company after they're up and running, or do they ever contact you when they're designing a space to figure out how best to use technology in their space?
1: So I want to say we've had both options. Um, Typically what we have is customers who come to us and they, are already in operation and are just looking to improve efficiency or just to kind of help their operations. Um, But there are times where customers are building a brand new facility and they want to understand how to best suit their facility for automation, whether that be make sure that there's ample space or that um, there's a certain amount of like staging room for the AGVs. Like I mentioned, they need that additional um, space for the safety standards. So it's something that we, I believe, have done, but it's not as common as you would think, though. Yeah. I think it's a great idea for all of these like new uh, distribution centers and things that are popping
0: up. Mm, yeah. So, um, Tell me how you're, you know, you're a beautiful young woman and, um, you know, not many people in your shoes choose mechanical engineering as a career path. Talk a little bit about that. There's a huge skills gap within the manufacturing and technology sectors.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, a national conversation amongst leaders in the industry is about attracting people your age into the industry. Um, and it's a challenge. So uh, talk about your path and your choice and what led you to do, to to choose this.
1: Yeah. So it's hard when you're young and trying to figure out what you want to go into. Um, I always had like a kinship for math and science. So like as I went through high school, I was like, OK, well, I like math and like science. Like at the time, my favorite um, subject was physics. And I was like, OK, well, I guess I'll be a physics major. And I applied to college and I got in as a physics major. And then the summer before I started school, I met a woman who was a mechanical engineer and she told me about her job and what she did every day. And I was like, oh, that sounds like what I want to do. Like, that sounds really interesting and hands on. And everything I had been hearing about physics was very like research oriented and theoretical instead of really hands on and application based. So I really thought that speaking with a woman who was a mechanical engineer gave me that like background to see like oh this is what engineering really is and this is something I actually want to do and a few weeks later I went to my school orientation and asked to switch majors and here we are.
0: <laughs> wow yeah so do you think that um, young people are just not aware of all of the uh, possibilities within engineering that exists for them. And that's why they're there. Yeah. So just like you, you didn't know everything that was available to you.
1: Yeah, I think that's very possible. I think it's getting better. But at the time when I was in high school, I had no idea what engineering was. I didn't know what you would do as an engineer. I had never met anyone that was a mechanical engineer that I had known of that talk to me about their job that made it seem appealing. Um, And now that I am an engineer, I understand that there are so many different fields, so many different things that you can do. Um, And I think it's just making those things um, available to kids to see, like, if you want to be developing, I don't know, if you want to develop robots, if you want to develop toys, if you want to develop cars, like all of those people are in engineering. And I think that, just goes to show that everybody's in engineering almost when it comes to like development of new things, new software, new products. So I think that it just needs to be a little bit more transparent to kids of what these jobs actually are and what your title is and what sort of education these people are getting.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about, um, you've mentioned to me that uh, mentors have been incredibly um, important and influential in your career path. Tell our audience about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I did mention I had the luck of a woman who was a mechanical engineer kind of guiding me to my, uh, my choice of major. But after I graduated from college, I did have the benefit of working under um, a, a female manager at my first job. Um, And she was really just like smart, top of her field, like well-respected, kept herself very well-educated in her field as well. Um, And I really enjoyed working under her. But I think one of the most meaningful things for me was that she pushed me to kind of go out of my comfort zone a little bit, try try new things that I maybe wouldn't have thought that I could do or that I thought were maybe a little bit too challenging for me. Um, and she could kind of see my skill set and see that I was able to accomplish those things. So I really appreciate her kind of taking a chance, but kind of not really taking a chance, but giving me that extra boost to say like, no, like I know that you can do this and you need to believe that you can do this. So I'm going to give you this challenge. And if anything like is hard, then come to me and we'll work it out. But you can take this on and you have the abilities to do that.
0: That's great. That. Phenomenal. We all need
1: that, right? Yeah, really. I wish all managers were like her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you'll become one (laughs) like her and hopefully mentor other um, young women to come up through the path. So you're actually uh, in a master's of engineering program. Yeah. What what led to that? What made you decide to take that leap after you're already working in the industry? And talk a little bit about the challenge of that.
1: Yeah, so I start my program this fall. um, And I actually got interested because of a different female mentor of mine who um, she had kind of hit some similar um, milestones in her career. And I was talking to her about just wanting to maybe take the next step and work in management um, and what she did to get to that point in her career. And she said that when she was feeling similar to me, that maybe things were a little bit stagnant or that you didn't quite have the experience that you need to make that next step, that that's when she felt like it was the right time to go back to school. So I talked to her a little bit more about um, her experience and why she chose to go where she did, and, what sort of questions she was asking herself in the process of making that decision. Um, And it was really helpful for me. And I actually ended up um, going to apply for the same program that she went through. Um, So I'm going to be starting an engineering management program at uh, Tufts here in Massachusetts in the fall. That's fabulous. Do you
0: think um, uh, being a woman in an engineering field is, is a woman's perspective different and um, do you think that it helps you in your career?
1: I think it can. I definitely have seen it help me in my role, especially kind of um, working with my, my boss, who's our director of sales, who kind of thought that us kind of partnering together has had the benefit of me coming from the technical side, but not having necessarily like the intimidation factor that a man might have. Um, just kind of brings this sense of trust that people feel comforted when they talk to me. They can trust me because I had the experience and I've been in the field. So I know what I'm talking about and I know what I'm looking at and I know how our um, solutions work in these spaces. So I can make the recommendations or on the occasion, tell them when I think it's not going to work as well. So I think that sometimes it just brings like a sense of ease and maybe reduces some competitiveness when there's a woman in the room and I think that that can be really valuable.
0: Yeah I would agree I mean I know especially in what I do so selling manufacturing businesses nationally I think um, well first of all it's a male-dominated industry
1: and I think
0: you know my team is mostly women and we we bring a different perspective um, to to the M&A process so good for you what's um tell me what's next for your industry where's it going
1: So I think um obviously with COVID like you said there's been so much pop-up of these new distribution centers and 3PLs um so we are actually really lucky at value here in the U.S. that um We just got the ability to sell direct, which means that now we not only sell the HYG um, forklifts that we partner with, but we can also sell our Linda units, which means that we now have a reach truck um, that's going to be coming to the U.S. soon. So we have a few projects that um, are kind of on the horizon to start with us, and we have a demo vehicle coming as well for us to all get familiar with over here. Um, But we're really excited about the reach truck. It's such a powerful piece of like technology when it comes to AGVs Um, and it's just going to make a huge difference I think for a lot of like 3PLs and warehouses, distribution centers in the U.S. because it just has a a higher capacity, can reach those high levels and work in this really dense racking that they all need. So for for people
0: that aren't that familiar with with your industry, talk (laughs) about product and what are the differences are between like a normal um, uh, fork truck that, that has your technology attached to it?
1: Yeah. So up until very recently, um, we've been selling what we refer to as counterbalance trucks. So that's like a fork truck you might expect where the forks can lift up to maybe about 11 or 12 feet high. Um, we also have what's like a pallet jack truck um, this one, someone typically rides on and the forks only lift up like just enough to pick a pallet off the ground, maybe like eight or 10 inches. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also had tuggers, which like tow trailers behind them. Um, so the reach truck is now going to be, it's a much smaller footprint of a vehicle. So where some of our vehicles are maybe, um, I guess I know it in meters, but some of them are a little bit longer, like the counterbalance truck, because it needs to have that counterbalance weight the reach truck has a smaller footprint, so it makes it really easy for turning in aisles um, so we can kind of reduce the amount of space that we need, which is great for people who are trying to optimize storage. Um, The reach truck can also reach, like its name implies, a lot higher than the trucks that we've had previously. So while the counterbalance can go up to about 11 or 12 feet, which is maybe like one or two levels of racking, The reach truck, um, in certain cases, can go up to like five or six levels of racking, which makes it a lot more powerful working in these kind of big storage facilities. Mm, Fabulous. Well, um, we're
0: starting to run out of time. Um, If our listening audience wants to learn more about Belio and your company's products, how do they best reach out to you, Maggie?
1: Yeah, so they can find us here in the U.S. at value.com. Um, all of our information is there. You can see uh, examples of our fleet of trucks and there are videos you can click on. Also things like ROI calculator for anyone who's interested in kind of getting a ballpark idea of if the value solution is right for them. Um, and they can always reach out to me Or my boss, uh, John Hayes. So my email is maggie.alterzuzki at value.com. And you can reach John at john.hayes at value. His last name is H-A-Y-E-S. Fabulous. I just want
0: to verify the email. Um, I'm -hmm. sorry, the web address. Is valio.com value.com or .us? Um, So both of
1: them should get you there. Both of them. Yeah, here in the U.S., I think you'll just get redirected to value.us, so either one will work. Okay, super.
0: Hey, thank you so much for being with us. You're an absolute delight and um, I hope an inspiration to young women who are um, struggling with a career path. Um, And I'm going to check back in with you a few years from now after you have your master's degree (laughs) and see how it's um, changed life and changed your career path. Thank you for being with us. I want to encourage our listeners to visit um, whampodcast.com where you can see all of our shows and many other shows brought to you by the Jacket Media Company. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for joining the WHAM Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com.